So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Come and See Inspirations production being produced in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this, it's the 20th of June. It's the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme again today, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thanks a lot, Shane. Thank you very much, indeed, for joining me. And also, we want to thank, as usual, our trusted... Uh, listeners who listen to us each week, especially those, and we mean this, especially those who are on their own, because we meet them around the place. Uh, the people who might not have access to internet and maybe feel a little bit lost sometimes, but thank God we've got this programme going out on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, uh, 10 a.m. Sunday morning and 11 p.m. on Sunday evening. And the podcasts of this are just some of the Come and See Inspirations podcasts available for playback and download for those who do have internet. At our Come and See Inspirations podcast, up, um, our, yeah, our Come and See Inspirations podcast page. Of course, you can also get us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. But for those uh, of our listeners who don't have this, this uh, each morning uh, when we uh, and repeated every Sunday evening, mostly Sunday evenings these days, um, we do have our Saints for the Week. Shane shares us with us in a few moments in time. Uh, part two of the program today, we speak with um, Father Seamus Enright, the rector at Mount Saint Francis in Limerick, who tells us about something about the icon and also about uh, the program for the novena, which is actually currently taking place on Saturday last Friday. Of course, you can also catch us on Facebook. Come and see inspirations. Uh, just to advise listeners again, the ten a.m. Uh, Broadcast here from West Limit 102 includes Mass from Abbey Field, but this particular Sunday we would have broadcast from Mount St. Alphonsus for the 10 a.m. Novena session. You can contact us by text, and that's on 087 6088 667. That's 087 6088 667, or email come and see inspirations at and we comment or would welcome comments, suggestions, um, and even if you want to come on and sing a song, that's no problem too. Text us 87 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, Shane, hand over to you for Saints for the Week. Thank you. Thanks, John. So today is the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And for those of us praying the Psalter, we'll be on week four this week. Um, the Irish Martyrs, just what, uh, one thing just to say, I was picked up last week. One or two people were asking me, did I miss a saint on last week's program? So because the 13th of June is the feast day of St. Anthony of Padua, otherwise known as a very popular saint, because, of course, he's the St. Anthony of the... Um, lost things he's the man you talk to when you lose your keys and so on and so forth but the 13th of june this year was a sunday so the sunday takes precedence over the saint's day so his feast day was not celebrated this year on the general calendar so if your parish was saint is dedicated to saint anthony or your name is anthony you could have celebrated his feast day but we didn't celebrate him this year because the sunday would take precedence so monday this coming monday the 21st is the feast day of saint aloysius gonzaga he's a jesuit saint and he uh, he was a young saint, actually. He's generally generally uh, uh, presented painting and picture-wise. He's quite a young saint. He was a Jesuit novice, and he died after catching fever in 1591 at the age of 23, because he had he was working in a plague hospital and he caught the disease. 
and he's generally seen as one of the patron saints of the youth or young people. Tuesday, then the 22nd, there's a number of uh, saints on the calendar. Uh, The two key ones are John Fisher and Thomas Moore, who are, of course, saints very much associated with the reign of Henry VIII. Both of them were executed by Henry under Henry VIII, uh, both big, basically because both um, refused to accept Henry's break with Rome at the time. So John Fisher was actually a bishop and the Bishop of Rochester, and he opposed the treatment that was meted out to Catherine of Aragon. And he was in prison at the time, and then to show his support, the Pope announced that he was going to create him a cardinal, and tradition or legend has it that Henry VIII's response was, well, he can't be created a cardinal if he has no head. So he he died in 1535. Thomas More also died in 1535. He was, of course, the first commoner to be the Lord Chancellor of England. And again, he's seen as suffering martyrdom under Henry VIII. Uh, very famously, of course, there's that film, uh, Man for All Seasons, which presents the story of Thomas More. And he is the patron saint of lawyers and those in public life. Wednesday the 23rd is the feast day of Blessed Francis O'Sullivan. So Francis O'Sullivan is uh, an Irish saint, he's one of the Irish martyrs, was a Franciscan friar, um, priest, and one of the Irish martyrs, and he died on Scariff Island in Kerry on the 23rd of June on 1653. And he's one of those of group of the Irish martyrs who were beatified by John Paul II in 1992. 24th of June, of course, next Thursday is a solemnity, of course. It used to be a very important feast day. I think we used to have a, used to be a holy day of obligation in Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. It is the nativity of John the Baptist, of course, which also means for those that want to keep track of those things, that means it's six months of Christmas, folks. <laughs> so, of course, there is great traditions associated with the nativity of John the Baptist, including the bonfires and so on and so forth. Then Friday the 25th is the feast day of St. William of Vercelli, is how it's pronounced, I think. Interesting saint. He's an Italian one, um, born to Italian nobility, orphaned as an infant. He was a pilgrim to Santiago de Compostela at the age of 14, and then he decided to devote his life to God. Um, And he became a a hermit at Monte Monte Virgine, I think is how it's pronounced. But his reputation attracted a lot of people, so he ended up setting up a monastery and an order, of which there was five houses, but only one survives to the present day. They were known as the Williamites. Um, Some of the hermits that were with him said that he was too strict. So himself and a few others left so as not to cause a problem or dissension. And legend says that... um, he he began mining stone and digging the foundations for his church and his only helper was a donkey and one evening a wolf charged from the forest and killed and ate the donkey so William turned around and ordered the wolf to take the donkey's place uh, and it's interesting because they say tradition says that the, the wolf bowed his head and began hauling the loads of stone because he'd interrupted God's work and tradition says that the same wolf prowls the mountain ready to help those who are in danger and call upon the name of the Virgin Mary. So William is the patron saint of Irpina, which is a region in Italy. Shane, and where f- do you get all these things? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and finally, finally on, on Saturday, the 26th of June, we have the feast day of St. Jose Maria Escriva. He, of course, is, is the founder of the movement Opus Dei. And uh, uh, he was canonized by John Paul II in 2002. 
and of course very much involved with the setup of that movement which is known as a personal predature in the in the church i think it's the only personal predature at the moment as well as that he also founded the priestly society of the holy cross and um and he's very much involved with setting it up and promoting its work uh, including i think as far as i know i think he came on a visit to ireland but i'm not 100 percent sure on that so that's what we have john in terms of celestial guides for this week shane thank you very much for sharing that with us um, now it's time for us to go to our spiritual communion prayer, a prayer that we always share with our listeners who can't receive Jesus sacramentally at Mass. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Now, in part two of the programme uh, this morning, we are joined by Father Seamus Enright, who is the rector of Mount St. Alphonsus Church in Limerick, the Redemptist Church. Uh, people might be aware, currently, there is a novena, the, the annual novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help is taking place. So, Father Seamus, uh, join me today to let me know about, uh, or to let us know, should I say, what the plan is for this year in terms of the novena. And also we took the opportunity of replaying something that we played last year, which was Father Seamus sharing with us a reflection on the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. But in the meantime, we'll go for our first bit of music. This one from the Maranatha singers might be ideal at these times uh, for people in his time. So come back and join us again in part two.
So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Kelly, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And today we include in our program an interview with Father Seamus Enright, the rector of Mount St. Alphonsus Church in Limerick, about this year's novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. But first, let's listen to Father Seamus speaking with us last year when he shared a reflection with us on the history of the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Well, the history, the early history is obscure. Um, it was entrusted to the care of the Redemptress by Pope Pius IX in 1866. And he gave us a mandate when he gave us the, when he gave the icon into our care. He asked us to promote devotion to Our Lady as the Lady of Perpetual Help. So we've been doing that ever since. So shortly after the icon came into our care, um, they began making copies of it. So one of the, the first copy made was actually given to the Pope at the time. And one of the very early copies came to Limerick and it came here at the end of 1867. Now, prior to the icon being entrusted to our care, it was in the care of the Irish Augustinians in Rome. Um, they had set up a community in Rome during the penal times when it wasn't um, possible to live religious life in Ireland. So they'd had it in their care um, for quite a long time. But the legend, I suppose, is that it was stolen by a Roman merchant um, from a church on the island of Crete. And icons do come to us from the kind of Eastern church. It was stolen that he brought it home, that on his deathbed he asked, his wife to put it in a church because he was repenting of his theft and she promised she would but then she fell in love with the icon herself and decided not to do anything about it now this is this is um this is the story how accurate it is historically we just wouldn't be sure but the tradition then is that our lady appeared to the mother-in-law of this woman and asked her to ask her daughter um, to place the icon in a church and the mother-in-law wasn't successful in her efforts. But then Our Lady, the story goes, appeared to the woman's young daughter and asked her to ask her mother to place the icon in the church of St. Matthew. And and the mother did. Um, as her daughter requested, the icon was placed in the church of St. Matthew. The church of St. Matthew was in the care of the Augustinians, but it was destroyed 
um, by the French when they invaded Rome um, in that revolutionary period after the French Revolution, and then it vanished from sight. The Augustinians had it, but they didn't put it in a public church. They kept it in their own private oratory. So the Redemptors then came along and um, in the 1850s to build a church in Rome and our mother house. And we built the church on seemingly very close to the site of where the old St. Matthew's Church had been. And the people told us the story and they remembered the icon, but nobody knew where it was. And then one of the young um, Redemptorists, one of the young Roman Redemptorists, remembered that when he was an altar boy serving Mass in the Irish Augustinian Church in Rome, an old brother took him into the monastery one day, to the oratory of the friars, and showed him the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help and lamented that it was out of view. So a little bit of investigating went on, and it was discovered that the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help was there in the care of the Augustinians. So our superior general then went to Pope Pius IX, and he asked Pope Pius IX to ask the Augustinians to transfer the icon into the care of the Redemptorists. Um, and the Pope did, and I mean, what do you do when the Pope asks you to do something? The Augustinians handed over the icon. And the arrangement with the Pope was that we would give them another copy, another picture of Our Lady instead. But when Father Douglas, who was the rector of the um, house in Rome, the Redemptorist house in Rome, went to Father O'Brien, who was the Augustinian prior, Father O'Brien said, we have lots of pictures of Our Lady, and we really don't need another one, but we're in financially very difficult positions, so we'd appreciate a donation instead. So um, the Redemptorist gave the Augustinians some money, and the icon passed into our care. It needed to be restored. It was restored. So 1866, um, it began to be venerated in San Alfonso, which is our church in Rome. And as I say, a copy, the first copy to come to Ireland came to Limerick at the very end of 1867. And it's been venerated in the church ever since. In 1868 and 1869, the men of the Holy Family Confraternity, which had been founded at the beginning of 1867, they fundraised and they built the beautiful shrine as a home as a fitting home for the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. So the icon has been um, venerated in the shrine in Mount St. Alphonsus in the church since 1867 and in the shrine since 1869 when the shrine was dedicated. And of course, um, it's become, I suppose in many ways you could say that the shrine is like the, the spiritual heart of Limerick. It's where people come um, when they're um, in trouble and People were very sad there for some weeks when the church was closed, but now we're open again in the afternoons for private prayer. And it's lovely to see a procession of people in and out um, in the afternoon um, praying in the church and visiting the shrine um, to, to venerate the icon. So from Limerick, it spread to the other Irish redemptorist houses around the country and then redemptorists from Ireland when they were going to New Zealand, Australia, Sri Lanka, the Philippines, and took the devotion to Our Lady of Perpetual Help with them. So we've been faithful, I think, to the mandate that St. Pope Pius IX gave us, make her known, he said, make her known, and that's what we're doing. And so since 1860... Part of history now. Beautiful, thank you so much indeed. So from really from 1867, so there's been uh, the icon or a copy of the icon 
in the church in Mount, yeah. So it's, it's a copy of the original icon, but we would now see it as an icon. It is an icon in its own right. It's what we would now call the, the Limerick icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Um, I think people in Limerick would people in Limerick would be almost offended if it was described as a copy. Now it has yes, become yeah, so unique yes, to much, itself. Much, much you know? And so the novena, did the novena start up almost right away in Limerick, um, Father Seamus? Devotion, yeah. So devotion begun. Devotion to Our Lady of Perpetual Health began almost right away. Um, I don't know exactly when the novena. Um, in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Health, began in, 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 in Limerick. But we do know that during the Second World War, there was an American redemptorist serving with the American forces in the north of Ireland, and he introduced the redemptorist in Clonard to the idea, which was growing in the United States, to the idea of a perpetual novena, of a weekly novena. So that began in Clonard during the Second World War, and spread very quickly to Limerick. So sometime in the 1940s, the, the weekly novena, um, the perpetual novena, as we call it, began in Limerick. And the, pre- the shape of the novena at present, the, the, the nine days as we have celebrated them, well, the Vincent Kavanagh, I suppose, put that shape on it in 1972. So the devotion has been there since 1867, but it has taken different shapes and it has been, ex- been expressed um, differently at different times, with the novena since the 1940s and the present shape of the novena um, since 1972. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry All who dwell in dark and sin My hand will save I who made the stars of night I will make their darkness bright
So that piece of music was Here I Am, Lord, by, sung by John Michael Talbot. So now we can listen to Father Seamus tell us about the Novena to Our Lady of Perpetual Help being held in Limerick this year. And to play out this part of the programme, we'll play an old favourite. Uh, we can listen to James Colban as he sings As I Kneel Before You. So now we're delighted to welcome onto our programme again uh, Father Seamus Enright, who's a rector of Mount St. Alphonsus in Limerick. Father Seamus is here this morning to tell us a little bit about the novena that's taking place in in the monastery there in Nimic uh, to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. It actually started last Friday. Good morning, Father Seamus, and thanks for joining us. John, John, good morning, and thank you for having me back on the programme again. It's been quite some time. I was grateful for the invitation. Well, with the novena this year, of course, is unusual as it was last year in that we're celebrating the novena only online. Um, that seemed to us the most prudent thing, the most careful thing to do because we're so concerned with protecting people's health and um, safeguarding people. And we just felt we wouldn't be able to safely manage the crowds that come to the Novena every year. And we didn't want people turning up and then be sending them away. So um, online. But we've been online a lot, of course, during the lockdown and that has worked very well for us. It's not the same, of course, as in person in the church, but we've had a very successful um, online presence right through the the lockdown. Um, We have built up a daily following of a few thousand people. It can go up to five, six thousand people at the weekend. Now, I haven't checked the figures since the novena began, but um, I'd expect there are people, local people joining us, of course, and then people all over the country and people all over the world as well. The evening sessions especially have quite a following in the United States, and we're very happy about that. So uh, maybe maybe a place to start, so, is, is, is how can people join? I mean, how can they access? Oh, yes. People can join. People can join. If they just Google novena.ie, they go, so they go to novena.ie, and that'll take them to our website, and then they'll see webcam, and they click on the webcam. And that'll take them directly into the church. Now, they can also come at us through church services. 
so they can Google church services and find Mount St. Alphonsus Limerick. But the most direct way of doing it is novena.ie webcam. Okay. Now, have you got a theme this year? I'm sure you have, but what is the theme? Yes, it's the year of St. Joseph, of course, in the Catholic Church. Pope Francis invited us um, to celebrate this year of St. Joseph. So the theme really has to do with St. Joseph. St. Joseph, a man for all seasons. So we're looking at some of the scripture passages in which St. Joseph features, and Our Lady, of course, and Jesus as well. And we're seeing what lessons might there be there for us today. So um, St. Joseph, a man for all seasons. So, of course, I mean, as you just mentioned there, the church will be closed uh, for the sessions. But uh, will the church be open, just a matter of interest? Oh, yeah, the church, we have four... Yeah, we have four online sessions, of course, at 8 in the morning and 10 in the morning and 7.15 and 9 in the evening for, for, for the nine days. And then the church opens at 11 and it closes at 6. So there's plenty of opportunity and people are visiting in the afternoons. There's plenty of opportunity. And what we've done to facilitate um, prayer before the icon is we've taken the icon from the shrine, um, which we did last year during the novena as well, and we place the icon in front of the high altar. So people can visit the icon online, which isn't normally possible when it's in the shrine, and people who come to the church, of course, there's plenty of space in front of the high altar, in front of the sanctuary, there's plenty of space um, for social distancing. So we're asking people, of course, who come to the church to wear their masks, to practice social distancing, and then we have all the equipment needed for sanitising, and some of our stewards are on duty all the time. So we're trying to do everything as, as safely as, as we possibly can. And of course, for those who do want to physically uh, visit during those times, they can leave their petition as usual. Oh, yeah, people can come in and write out their petitions. That facility is still there. But people can email petitions to us as well. Um, if, they go on our, if they go to novena.ie, um, they'll find our um, email address and they can email petitions. Our people are mailing in petitions as well. You can mail petitions to novena. Redemptress, Limerick, and that'll get us. Yeah, and then there's also the facility online also to light a candle as well, is that right? Yes, there is, yeah. That's a, that's a very popular facility with people. Um, it's a, a virtual candle. Um, people love lighting candles, of course, and that's one of the things that people like coming to the church to do in the afternoons, and people miss that during the lockdown. But we've had this facility um, to light a virtual candle for some time. We're doing a major revamp of our website at present. We had hoped it would be ready for the Novena, but unfortunately we're a little bit behind ourselves. So after the Novena we hope to launch a new, more streamlined website that will allow people to visit the shrines as, as well, which hasn't been possible up until now. Father Seamus, thanks a lot for coming on and just sharing that information with us because I know there's an awful lot of people, as you know yourself, from the county, especially from the West, yes. used to love to come in, but at least now they oh, yeah. can maybe, maybe visit during the day if they are in Limerick. If they're in Limerick, of course, they're more than welcome to come up during the day. And there are a lot of people around the county who follow us all the time during, since the pandemic began on a daily basis. And we're glad that they've become part of our um, congregation. And as I say, we go on until the 26th. Then on the 27th, which is the Sunday, we'll celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And we'll be open that day for Masses, of course. We'll have Masses that day at 8, at 10, at 12 and at 5 and at 7.15 and 9 in the evening. So people will be able to go to Mass, not during the Novena, but at least they'll be able to come here for Mass on, on the Feast of Our Lady of Perpetual Help with restrictions on numbers. So, John, thank you very much for having me. So just, just, one, last, uh, just one last again, just one reminder mm -hmm. of the times of the Masses? 
Yeah, eight o'clock and ten o'clock in the morning, seven fifteen and nine in the evening. And the best way of getting us is just Google Novena.ie and then go to webcam. So Novena.ie webcam. Father Shemers, thanks again indeed for joining us again this morning. God bless now. John, thank you for having me. I'm very grateful. Much obliged to you. Bye-bye now. And, and hello to all my friends and relatives in West Limerick. Of, of course. Bally Hallside, yes. I'll, as people know, my father was from, Lord to mercy him, my father was from Town Hard in Ballyhahal, so I have lots of cousins scattered all over the place. So special hello to them. No problem. Uh, Father, thanks again. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Us. Bless you. Bye-bye. Bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space 102 FM. Uh, my name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane. And uh, thanks again go to Father Seamus Enright for sharing those thoughts and reflections with us in part two. Now it's time of the no, it's the time of the program where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let, our eyes be cl- Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. May we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, which is the 12th Sunday in ordinary time, is taken from the Gospel of Mark. It's taken from chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. With the coming of the evening, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him, just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. Then it began to blow a gale, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that it was almost swamped. But he was in the stern, his head on the cushion, asleep. They woke him and said to him, Master, Do you not care? We are going down. And he awoke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be quiet, be quiet now, be be calm. And the wind dropped, and all was calm again. Then he said to them, Why are you so frightened? How is it that you have no faith? They were filled with awe and said to one another, How can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. The Gospel for today from uh, from Mark again, Shane. Of course, we read an awful lot of Mark this year. Any few thoughts, Shane, you might want to share with us, please? Yeah, um, as you said, John, we're travelling with Mark for the next while. And, of course, um, this is Mark's account of the calming of the storm. Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, and, of course, there's, there's, there's many ways to, to look at it, of course. Um, the, I suppose... There's obviously the, the, the very practical, uh, what's the word I would use, literal interpretation that can be applied to it, which of course is the miracle of Jesus coming to see the sea of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I don't know, for, for anyone that's never been to the Holy Land, John, you've been to the Holy Land, haven't you? I was. I was lucky enough to go there twice, yeah? Yeah. So if you're ever on the Sea of Galilee, it is quite exposed and it's, 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 it, it's, in, a, it's in almost like a, a wind tunnel. So when a storm comes up, it would come up quite quickly and it would come up um, quite strongly as well. So, you know, you would be on your toes if you were caught out in the middle of it. It's a huge lake. It's massive. Um, and uh, it, it, it would be a little alarming if you were stuck out in a small fishing boat in the middle of it and this storm pops up out of anywhere. 
Um, I suppose one of the things just to note, uh, they were crossing over to the other side. So there's a, there's, a, there's an important thing there, which we just need to dwell on just for a moment, which is the different sides of the, of the lake. One was Jewish, one was non-Jewish. The fact that Jesus was crossing back and forth was a cha- is a challenge to his disciples because he's you know, proclaiming the word. He's proclaiming the kingdom to all uh, who, who he comes to. And I suppose when we're reflecting on this gospel today, and we're looking at the fact that we, you know, if we look at it from a symbolic point of view or uh, how it applies to us in our daily lives, it's something that we have to keep in mind that um, we, we, we are called sometimes to go to places we'd rather not go or to face challenges that we'd rather not have. Or we might have to engage with people that perhaps we're not overly comfortable with. So just to, just to think about that as well. But the gospel in and of itself, I suppose, is very much focused on, on the miracle of, of, of the coming of the storms. And of course, there's the whole symbolism of the boat, the Baroque of Peter, as, it, as we would call it, and that tradition that associates the church with, with, with boat and, and sailing and so on. And as we look at the gospel this Sunday, I suppose the question is, where are we in the story? And of course, most people would see themselves very much in the place of the disciples in the boat. And of course, it's very much a reminder to us as we travel through life, as we journey through life, as we're going from place to place, we will hit bumps along the way. Now, I think we've all had, had a collective bump for the last 18 months. I think I think it would be fair to say. But there can be other times when we hit bumps along the way. The storms that would blow on us, like, you know, I suppose life, life sometimes can be a place of hard knocks and Sometimes it can be a place of extreme hard knocks for some people in terms of illness or financial difficulties or challenges that people face with, say, addiction, for example, or, or uh, family tra- tra- travails. You know, there's, there's, no one, there's, there's, there's no one that doesn't or hasn't carried a cross some, at some stage in, in, in their life. And it's how we are called to respond and react to that and to see how we deal with it, you know, and how we have the resources and the wherewithal to be able to face those challenges. And it's, it's you know, there's a, there's a term which is used at the moment. It's very popular in terms of uh, companies and discussions, which is all this business of resilience. You build your resilience. You know, that's, that's the buzzword at the moment. And from a faith perspective, I suppose, that's kind of the question that we kind of have to ask ourselves this morning. As people of faith, how do we build our resilience for the storms in life that are going to knock us and come at us and the challenges that we're going to meet? How do we, as people of faith, or people that are, maybe that I should say more, how people that are clinging on to faith, you know, by our fingertips sometimes, how do we how do we have that moment of resilience? Where is God in the middle of the storms that knock us in our daily lives? For the disciples, he was on the boat. Weren't they the lucky disciples? He was sitting there while well, he was snoozing there. As far well, that's what Mark tells us. He was asleep, um, and he was there amongst them, and they were able to turn to him and say, "Help." And I suppose that's the question for us this morning is in terms of as people of faith or people who cling to faith, uh, Pubble Day, the people of God, are how well are we, I suppose, at being able to have that resilience of being able to turn to God in our lives? 
And it's a serious, it's a serious question, you know, because it's it's something it's something that we need to think about. Because you could be trottling along, you know, you're back to mass on Sunday. That's great, you know. You're listening to sacred space on a Sunday night. That's even better. Takes for a million. But you know, the question is um, the depth that is there to our faith. Where is the foundation? How solid is it in? Like I was watching, I think we were all watching those news reports during the week about those poor families up in Donegal and Mayo with the mica in the house and in the in the in the blocks. And you know, for many of them, all they can do is is knock the house down and try to rebuild again if they get the money, of course. But I was looking at the stone and the guy that was shown just literally how it was all falling apart because of this this component that was in the cement block. And you know, sometimes our lives can be like those cement blocks with the mica. They'll get damp, they'll fall, they'll start to crumble and fall apart, and suddenly something will happen and the whole thing will teeter over and collapse. And the question, I suppose, is how do we build up that faith resilience? How do we have and try to put in the foundation of faith that we have something that we can turn to as, uh, as a support through that storm, through that moment of challenge? And I suppose the other thing, just to be very clear about it, is, you know, we're not talking here about, you know, a childish, childish as opposed to childlike, childish faith, which thinks God's going to come in and solve the problem. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's not how it works. Um, you know, that's not how, that's, that's not how it's, it's going to happen. I think, you know, it can. There can be moments of intense grace. There can be moments of intense wonder and awe where, you know, for example, miracles do happen. We are people of faith at the end of the day. And if we have faith, you can move mountains. But also there's the other side that, you know, sometimes that, that, can't happen or that won't happen or that you know it doesn't happen and it's how we manage to still walk through that storm or journey through that storm knowing that as we do so god is walking with us that as we're you know if we if i can extend the metaphor of the storm you know when you're out in the storm if you get caught out if you get caught out in a shower of rain what do you do you pull up your your collar and you bend down the head and you hunker down, you hunk up your shoulders and you try and walk into it and you try and get where you're going as fast as you can. And as you're walking along in that storm, as you're hunkered down, I suppose the idea is that Jesus is there beside you walking along with you. And you will say, well, what good is that to me? If, I'm, if, I'm, if I've lost my job or I'm about to lose my house or someone is sick, you know, what, 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 good, what good is that to me? You know, and, and that's, 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 that's the question. I can't answer that question in one sense. But I, what I can say is it's at times of our deepest solitude, at times when we've hit rock bottom, when there's no one else there, that God is there for us if we turn to him in prayer. If we, and the prayer doesn't have to be complicated, long litanies or complicated rosaries or chaplets prayer is prayer of the heart it's that conversation heart to heart between ourselves and god and that's what this sunday's gospel is reminding us of that we are called to be people of faith who can turn to god in these 
in these times of travail. Like, it's interesting, Jesus turned around and he said to the disciples, why are you so frightened? How is it that you have no faith? And, you know, that could seem like a harsh question in one sense. Personally, if I was in a boat in the middle of a storm and the whole thing kicked off a brown may, I'm not quite sure how I would have reacted much different to the apostles. And Jesus's question is, sounds like a little harsh, you know, but I suppose the other side of it is, it's, it's a, first of all, it's a challenge to us. Have you, why are you so frightened? Have you no faith? And our response, I suppose, would be that like almost of, of a child saying, I'm frightened because I'm frightened because I am scared and it is human to be scared. I think for Jesus, what he's dwelling on here is he's kind of, he's saying to disciples, I've been with you this long. You've seen me do so many things, but you're still not sure of who I am and what I can do. And I suppose it's the same question to us that we know who Jesus is. Or sorry, we think we know who Jesus is. So the question for us is, in the moments of difficulty, are we able to turn and engage with him and ask him for that support and ask him for that help? to get through that particular moment in time. The one thing I would say to people listening this morning, particularly to those that are struggling and are carrying a burden or have a storm that's battering about their heads, it's very difficult to see it when you're in the middle of it. And it's very easy for others to talk about it that are not walking in your shoes. But I would say to you is that God never gives us a cross to carry without the grace to carry it. Somewhere within you, with the gifts that you have as an individual, with the gifts that are there for you from the Holy Spirit, turning to faith and asking for him to help, that that gift, that strength would be unopened and unlocked for you. You know, mightn't be the, it might be, mightn't be the clearest thing. You're not going to literally locutions and signs from heaven but that it is the reminder to us this Sunday morning that that help is there for those of us that wish to seek it. And as people of faith, sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and say, we can't do it on our own. All for thee, O Lord, all for thee. And sometimes we have to say, God, I need help. Shane, thank you so much for that. Uh, words of words of encouragement. And thank you so much indeed for sharing that with all of those of us who need it. And really, I can't add much, but I'll add one little thing. Uh, we're fortunate enough, as I've mentioned in this program, to have Father Frank Dewey uh, share with us some thoughts on Lecture Divina on today's Gospel. And today, he has a little reflection right at the end. And I'd just like to share it with listeners. It goes like this. A young Indian boy approached manhood, and as was the custom with his tribe, he had to undergo several tests to prove his bravery. Before acceptance into fighting braves of the tribe, he was brought out into the middle of the jungle and left alone all night. He was terrified. Every leaf that fell, every branch that creaked, every movement in the underground caused his heart to pound. He never knew a night could be so long. On several occasions, he would have run away. But where does one run to in a jungle in the middle of the night? And after what seemed eternity, the light of the dawn began to filter through the trees. In a, in a relatively short time, his eyes got used to the growing light, and soon he was able to see clearly. He moved from where he was, and as he approached the nearest tree, he was amazed to find his father standing there with a gun. He st- 
he had stood there all night on guard. The young lad's instant response was to think, if I had known my father was watching over me like that, I would have slept soundly all night. When we die, we'll discover that our father was standing over us all the time. I thought that was a beautiful one for Father, for Father Frank, and it echoed the thoughts uh, that Shane shared with us. So with that, we'll, we'll, we'll bring our programme to the end. I suppose a piece of music, there's only one piece of music I can play after listening to that gospel and the reflections, and it's by John Michael Talbot, and it's entitled Be Not Afraid. So next week, for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us, and we'll do it all again next week. In the meantime, have a good week. God bless for now. Bye. Bye. And all